0: So across Canada, and this is exposed in an investigative reporter, a report done for W5, some educators have been using seclusion and restraints on students who have disabilities. And the tactic is coming under some pretty serious heat.
1: You're saying there should have been at least a phone call, at the minimum.
0: Absolutely, there should have been a phone call, and to be honest, I'm certainly an expert on Lily. I might not be an expert on all things that I need to do outside of Lily, but I am a Lily expert. And, you know, if if there was any moment that you thought that things were out of control for me not to know about it means I can't help her. That is just a portion from W5's Molly Thomas's investigation, which will be airing tomorrow at 7 p.m. on CTV. Molly Thomas is here now. Nice to have you. Good morning.
1: Hi, John. Nice to have you. Nice to talk to you.
0: <laughs> Give us a bit of a, an impression uh, when we talk about uh, seclusion or we talk about restraints. What kind of stuff
1: are we looking at here? You know, uh, you just heard from Chantel Hyde. She's the mother of Lily. Lily is 14 years old, but she has non-speaking autism. And so developmentally, she actually is at the age of a toddler. And so it's hard for her to communicate. But what Chantel kept noticing about her daughter, John, is that, you know, she's being more aggressive at home. There's more outbursts. And she's pleading with her every single day before she gets on the bus saying no, 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 no to school. And she always loved school. And so Chantal is wondering, what is going on with my daughter? Eventually, she finds out that Lily had been secluded multiple times before, left in a room, you know, where an adult is pushing the door shut, um, left alone screaming, shrieking. And she was never told about it.
0: And in terms of restraints, what are we talking about?
1: Well, we talked to one family, um, the Vlad family, whose son was restrained. The same kind of situation: parents not told. He, the father comes to pick him up, and he hears his son literally screaming down the hallway. Runs up and finds his child restrained in, in a chair. Uh, I mean, these are these are stories, John, that are just not just isolated incidents. I mean, there's no formal tracking in Canada happening around seclusion and restraints. We checked in with each province. New Brunswick is just starting it to start to see, uh, you know, how often is this happening. But there are informal surveys from parents. Um, There was uh, inclusion groups in B.C., Manitoba, and Alberta said, let's look into this. And they found hundreds of stories. And almost uh, the majority of those stories, the parents were never told. They were never even told this was an option. So, I mean, you're watching your kids fall apart at home. You're watching months, sometimes years of trauma. and, And sometimes parents don't even know why this even started in the first place.
0: Well, and I think it's an important distinction, and hopefully you can answer this question. I mean, are some are the people who are doing this acting outside of the margins of what is permissible, or is this actually considered to be an acceptable practice?
1: yeah, they they're not because when we look at provincial guidelines, you know re, restraints and resorts are, uh, restraints and seclusions are supposed to be an absolute last resort in an emergency and i'm not standing here john you know coming down on teachers listen they have oversized classrooms they have you know now have to include every single student in there they have to take care of so many different kids there's a lot to consider but at the same time you know uh, if we don't if parents don't know this is happening and the kids in the classroom you know are being either secluded or restrained and there's long lasting trauma i think that's a problem and if there's no tracking around it you know, how do we know how pervasive this is? So is it a last resort or are people just going to it as a first resort because they don't have any other tools in their toolbox? I
0: have to imagine there are probably some uh, special education people listening right now who are just muttering to themselves, you have no idea what this job is like, that as horrible as it sounds that you might have to restrain somebody, that for some kids it's the only solution.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we we, uh, follow a team called UKERU in the States who actually is a behavioral organization. That's all that they do. They work with people with cognitive disabilities. And for decades, they relied heavily on seclusion and restraints because they thought that's all they could do. The last 10 years, they've taken a totally different approach. They're teaching people, educators, both in the U.S. and Canada, how do we understand traumas? How do we understand symptoms of trauma ahead of time? How do we be preventative? And what their organization has seen, John, is in the last decade, 95% of restraints have been eliminated, and seclusion is completely gone. So it is possible. I think it just comes down to training. Thank
0: you for this, Molly.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, John.